Hello everyone, welcome to the Arsholics podcast on a Sunday night, doing things a little bit differently. This time we're actually going live 10 minutes earlier than scheduled. Um, if you can see us on screen, I mean, I'm donning the normal Arsenal home kit. Aaron and has gone retro. Myers is dressed like a wasp. It's uh, <laughs> it's all a bit, it's, it's just a bit, it's a bit random here I today. I didn't, I didn't get the memo clearly about the uh, red and white. So yeah, I'll stand out tonight. Love it. Love it. I mean, well, it's been an entertaining day anyway, you know, like I think we've got a lot to talk about with regards to just just that crazy game uh, at the Emirates on Friday night. But there's a crazy game at St. James's Park today, uh, particularly crazy 20 minutes. So I had um, early today, Aaron, and I think you were in that same chat group, a couple of Spurs fans. Well, actually, it was one Spurs fan, but it's always better if I say a couple of Spurs fans, like trying to you know, give a... Give it, give it large about Arsenal potentially bottling a title race. You know, trying to give the banter prior to them kicking off against Newcastle. It's a, it's a golden rule, right? You never banter off other teams before your team has played. Oh, I mean, Mike, you even did that the other day. That was very clever. <laughs> you didn't banter off United fans because you were like, yeah. just in case we I, do something on on Friday. Even right? though it was Southampton at home, I still had a bit of you nervousness. Still know, so do you know what I mean? Because it's just I experience. didn't send anything. I sent it all in our group, ready to send on Friday night, ten o'clock. But yeah didn't in the end obviously but yeah exactly <laughs> you had to draft guy saved and everything yeah exactly but why would you expose yourself to that right so these first fans giving me jib this morning and now look five nil down they were after 20 minutes i actually i just watched i didn't watch it live i you know i saw it um at half time i saw the score i just watched the the first 20 minutes um that was all oh, do you guys you guys watch it i mean they were spurs were like they were bad, bad. Have you guys seen it? Did you? Yeah, watch it? No, but I was, I was just really sad that I wasn't watching that live. I was, <laughs> I've never had so much regret at missing twenty minutes of a football game than I did when I tuned in on twenty three minutes. Because I think my you messaged and you were like, I just saw the score, and I was like, oh, what, what's happened? Yeah. Are they winning? Are they losing one nil? Did they concede in the last <laughs> minute? Because I had no, like mental like i wasn't really aware i was trying to ignore football most of this weekend after what happened on friday and then i just put the um i opened my score up i just burst out laughing um and then i, I put it on and then i was quite disappointed because i don't think they scored between then and the second until half time which was mm. uh a crying shame because i was like oh this could be a a 15 nil at this rate but um no unfortunately um yeah i really i would have Oh, I'm just so sad I missed it live because can you imagine just watching every goal go in? <laughs> I mean, like even the third or the fourth and then the fifth, it would have been really, really funny to watch live. And I think even... Especially um, with some, imagine if you had some Spurs fans with you as well. How good would that have been? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, even that fifth goal when I think it was, was it Isaac that scored the fifth goal and even he looked a bit embarrassed. He was just like, this is like, should we stop? Should we like, should we just give up and like, let them score a few for fun now? Like, what do we do? Um, ah, oh, what a mess of a team. They are it's so enjoyable. It's they, enjoyable. I was, sorry, I was just going to say it's enjoyable, yeah. but at the same time, it's quite, I don't know. I, I didn't watch any of it. I, I, like you said, Aaron, and I just saw the score alert on my phone when I checked my phone and couldn't believe the score after like 10 minutes or whatever. But, um, as enjoyable as it is, cause it's always enjoyable. It's quite, it's still quite hard to enjoy 
with what happened to us on Friday. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact we said it after Friday night, you know, that kind of ruined our weekend. Mm. Um, I guess it, it helps a little bit, but it softens the blow. But yeah, but I guess the, the other annoying thing is it, you know, we've got Newcastle in a couple of weeks yeah. at St. <laughs> yeah, James's yeah. Park. So it's, 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 it's a little bit worrying to think that, you know, they're able to do that to a, a decent Tottenham team. Um, and we've got that, you know, we've got that fixture to contend with. We do. That's, a, that's the annoying thing about our situation though, isn't it? We're just, we, we aren't getting to enjoy pretty much anything else that's going on because we're so nervous about our own, our yeah. own plate over the next kind of few weeks. Cause they usually, I thought exactly that same thing, Mize, you know, crap, we've got to go to Newcastle <laughs> soon. They look, um, they're on fire, you know, they're like, yeah, forwards wise, they seem to be kind of, I mean, I don't keep track on who they start every week apart from, from an FPL perspective. But, you know, Isaac's come back into the team and he's scoring goals and plays like Jacob Murphy are scoring goals. So, you know, like, see, it feels like they're getting goals from all all across the team. And, you know, yeah, a little, a little bit concerning given the number of goals we're conceding at the moment as well. So it probably segues nicely into our game, right? Because if we started the way that we started against Southampton against Newcastle at St. James's, well, it very well could be 5-0 after 20 minutes, couldn't it? Well, I hope not. That's not the, yeah. <laughs> that's a rhetorical <laughs> question. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. But let's, let's, um, you go straight in, aren't you, mate? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go straight. <laughs> let's go straight in. I mean, like, look, we got to our seats, um, uh, and I think the first thing that we saw as we kind of, you know, took poise um, was the ball hitting the back of our net. Uh, what, what were you, Aaron? What was your thoughts when you saw that goal go in? <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, I forgot that it was so early on now. Um, it must have been, we must have been getting into our seats a bit later. Like We obviously missed kickoff, but then we got in. And literally, I don't think I was actually in my seat. It was like walking down the uh, the row and the goal went in. And I was like, what the hell? Um, yeah, I think, honestly, when I went when 1-0 down, I it didn't bother me too much. It was a bit like when we went 1-0 down to Bournemouth so quickly, I was like, look, this is uh, a team that's bottom of the league. It's okay. <laughs> like, this isn't this isn't fatal. This isn't going to um, cause us that many issues. We're going to be fine. Um, turns out we weren't fine, and <laughs> we weren't going to be fine. But um, no, it's one of those where if you look at this result and actually that goal in isolation, it's like, okay, it's an early goal. We weren't paying attention what's going on. But actually, if you look at it in the context of the number of goals we've conceded, that early goal against Bournemouth, um, the trend of, you know, I think we've kept like three clean sheets in the last 15 games or something like that. Um, it is a bit of a concern how we're defending. Um, now, the the easy kind of person to blame there is holding, but I I think even before when Saliba was in the team, we weren't since the World Cup. We haven't been defending that well, and that is a concern. And look, I think if you are going to be challenging for a title, I think we were joking at the end of uh, end of the last podcast where we said, "Look, if you're going to be challenging, if we if we don't beat Southampton, we don't deserve to be in the title race." And maybe that's a bit extreme, but we can't defend the way we defend and expect to be okay in this title race and that's we can we can dig deeper into why that is and what it is but when you concede three goals at home to Southampton you're like that's just not good enough really is it it's terrible and three different goals 
you know, very, di- very different types of goals modes, right? So if we talk about those types, because the first, first is Ramsdale's, yeah, that's just 100% Ramsdale's error. Um, do you read much into that given his season? Um, or because what you could argue is, you know, I, I thought back to when we played Newcastle last season, Newcastle away, that real pressure game, that real kind of, you know, we really had to get a result. And I remember him being particularly nervous that day against Newcastle. And uh, and I kind of started thinking, I was like, maybe he is someone who just gets, who has the um, has the kind of potential, I guess, to let some of that nerves overwhelm him, which is sort of contrary to the character that he is sometimes. I feel like he, he's exceptionally good, particularly away from home at dealing with, you know, the, the away fans, et cetera. But maybe actually, if you forget that, maybe he's fantastic at that bit of it. But the actual pressure, say if it's an actual pressure situation, do you have any concerns over him? I, I think it would be harsh to criticise him too much, given how solid, I say sorry, how good he's been for us this season. He's got us out of a number of a holes, a number of holes, sorry. Um, and he's obviously instrumental to the way that we build out from the back and the way that we play play out basically and all, all of our attacks you know start from him and i think that's just part of it mate. like i personally i just put it down to like you can't legislate for that happening really at any point in the game but especially when you're you know yeah we've just kicked off they've just kicked off um but i i yeah i really i put it down to nerves and i think i put it down to just um I don't know, like maybe just a slight moment or lack of lapse of concentration, probably a combination of nerves and just not, I don't know, just not really switching on from kickoff or from minute one. But when you think about how good Ramsdale's been, like especially with his feet, right? We all know like as a shot stopper or just generally as a goalkeeper, I think he's just improved so much since he's been our number one. And um, especially as a shot stopper, like, shot stopper and kind of getting us out of holes. Like I said, you know, Anfield was a great example that those last five, 10, 15 minutes, whatever at Anfield, you know, he was the reason that we managed to get a point basically. Um, but yeah, I think given how good he's been, with his feet up until now, I think you can kind of allow him that mistake. I don't think it's really acceptable in the term, in terms of like, if we want to win the league and what our ambitions are this season, because yeah, it's Southampton at home at the end of the day, it just shouldn't be happening in any game, but especially in a game where I don't want to say pressures off as such, but it's a game that we're expected to win. If that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I think it's just one of those moments, unfortunately. Um, and I think you could tell as well by his reaction. Like he knew, obviously, he knew straight away and he was apologising to the fans. He had his hands up at halftime when he was going to get his like water and stuff from near where we sit. He, you know, you could tell he knew straight away. And I think also like the way that he plays, the way that he's being asked to play from the back is very much, you know, it's it's obviously he obviously has to play safe in the sense you can't just play risky passes, but we've been lauding him for how good he is with his feet and how good his passing is. So you look at it now in hindsight and you say, well, it was a, it was a, it was such a risky pass. Um, but, and he had other options. He could have played to either center back. He could have played it out to Ben White. I think all three were clear, like were open um, and unmarked. So he could have just gone for the easy option. He's obviously gone for the, the more risky one, but hoping to cut through, like, you know, cut through um, the middle of the pitch. And then it opens up. I think he's trying to pass to, 
Thomas, Thomas Party, I can't remember who it was. I guess Zinchenko. Um, oh, Zinchenko, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's obviously trying to pass to another ball player who can then just take, you know, basically build an attack from there. But that's what he's been, that's what we've been doing all season. So, like, I wouldn't, personally, I'm not, like, mass, I can't, like, I, I feel it'll be unfair to go really, really hard on him. But I think his standards, like, you know, I think it's, he's a player where his, he's got very, very high standards. Um, and I think he would obviously expect more of himself. So, but it's just one of those, man. It happens sometimes. And, you know, De Gea has been doing it a lot recently. I'm not sort of comparing the two goalkeepers, but it just, you know, it does happen. You see it happen with, even with um, Edison, with Allison. you know, the, the keepers that play, you know, teams that play like that, mm. they do often, you know, give the ball away they because they're not just hoofing it up the pitch, you know, so. So you don't think it was anything to do with, nerves in particular so you think this was this is just a byproduct of as you say you're completely right no i do Spot i do on. think i Edison, do think Allison, et cetera, do it i do think it was down to nerves because it happens like we were walking i don't know if you guys remember but when we were walking in like walking up to the turnstile i said like we're just talking about you know the game and everything and i i remember saying to you guys i don't know if you guys remember i said like the one thing that needs to happen given how awful we've been at the back the last few games is we can't start the game like we started against <laughs> like, like we started against Bournemouth. We can't start the game like how I think it was against Leeds, where Leeds almost scored from kickoff, right? We've got to be just on it and focused and not like shoot ourselves in the foot. And that's exactly what we did. So I think I do put it down to nerves. I do put it down to nerves. And I do put it down to nerves given that everything was so relaxed at the start of the season, you know, there was no pressure on us. There was no, there was, yeah, there wasn't really any pressure on us because everyone was, no one was giving us a chance for top four at the start of the season. So I think, mm. you know, it was, we could do what we could do our thing and, you know, just quietly go, go about getting our wins. And that's what we did. It was all quite jovial, right? And not jovial, it's mm. not the right word, but you know what I mean? And now it's like, right, you know, City are right on us. We've dropped points in the last two games where we've, had very good leads and really especially the West Ham one we shouldn't have obviously um and yeah maybe it, maybe it was just that uh, yeah maybe it was just nerves but I think like you know law of averages if you're going to be play if you're going to have a keeper that does you know and we have a system that involves us playing out from the back and not just hitting it long um that's going to happen at some point it's just really annoying that it happened when it did you know obviously and they and they they punished us for for that mistake as well I do yeah, have to say one you know, thing quickly, sorry. which is I don't want to be that guy who's going in on holding, but you look, you watch the replay of that goal. Holding is pointing, telling Ramsdale to play that pass. Um, and he's pointing at Zinchenko and he's basically saying, pass it that way. Um, and like you said, Mize, I think you said the Gabriel was open, holding was open and um, Ben White, I assume, like you said, was probably open as well. Right. And I think it's these little things that in the on the biggest occasions when you're talking about the finest of margins do actually make a difference. Like this goal was Ramsdale's fault, right? Regardless of where holding is pointing to, Ramsdale should not be playing that pass. Or if he's gonna play that pass, he has to has to get it right. And he doesn't do either of those things. Um but you put Saliba in there, either he is gonna make himself available and Ramsdale probably has a little bit more confidence to play that pass to Saliba, but is Saliba pointing, telling Ramsdale to play that pass? Like, we'll never know. But at, when you're at this level and the finest of margins, when the team is under pressure, you need... I think holding probably just lacked a bit of quality there. And it's it's just like... It's, it's something I'm pointing at. I'm not saying, like, 
holdings mm. at fault there were but it's like all these little things add up so is it like a concentration thing is it a mentality like a pressure thing or is it just you know first minute like shouldn't i was you know around there in another year's time around another two years time when he's been more used to playing under in a title race um does he be like does he look at holding and say like no shut up i'm not going to play that pass the first minute of the game I'm going to remember this situation from two years ago, and I'm just going to play the simple pass because I know, um, I know what happens if you get this wrong in the first minute. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's fine margins, isn't it? It is, it is, and you know, Russ, sort of, I guess, echoing some of this in the comments around the concentration of our players, and you don't see Man City conceding goals in the first minute. I mean, it's very true. It's very hard actually to reconcile in some ways, right? Because we were also the team to score the most goals in the first 15 minutes of matches. We've scored the most goals in the first 15 minutes of games this season. So that doesn't reconcile with this kind of concentration and focus point. Like clearly, generally speaking, you imagine based on how we score goals, they ha- they do whatever they they say, whatever's said in the dressing room in such a way in which they come out and they are going, we're going to bloody start this game like a house on fire. But, you know, and, and I wonder if it is that they are too ambitious, that they are perhaps not focusing on being compact necessarily defensively at the beginning. I'm not sure. But just pulling on the thread, the holding thread of the, you know, not wanting to be that guy or whatever. And it's quite interesting, actually, because it's very similar with the second goal. Where on the second goal, on the face of it, it's very clear. It, it looks very clearly a Gabriel mistake. Yeah. It looks very clearly that Gabriel sort of lost his man. And, you know, really, he should have been more aware of where Walcott was. Walcott does a very, very kind of a very standard Walcott run and does it makes a good finish. When you look at the, the replays and you look at the angles, Rob Holding is playing incredibly deep. He's a lot deeper than Gabriel. And hypothetically you could say in a situation where you've got Saliba Saliba probably plays a similar line to Gabriel he's probably higher up the pitch in which case they probably play offside and you know they have confidence to do that because they think they got recovery pace but in this situation this wasn't the case the defender the center backs are so far apart and holding is a lot deeper so again this is one of those you know it prob it might not be his fault it's probably harsh to call him out about it but it is frustrating because it does again show a little bit of a lack of understanding between holding and the rest of his players around him. I mean, Mice, would you uh, would you agree with that assessment with regards to the second goal, or do you think that it's just bread and butter? Gabriel needs to do better. I think initially when I first saw it, obviously we're in the ground, don't get to see many replays. I was pretty critical of Gabriel because it feels like he just doesn't sense and see Walcott's run. Um, and he just allows Walcott to kind of, yeah, make that run in behind and the ball's perfect to be fair. But yeah, having watched a few replays and some of the analysis, I think, I think it's a fantastic run from Walcott and it's a fantastic ball. So from a Southampton, Southampton perspective, attacking perspective, they've executed it perfectly. And I think the Rob Holding thing, yeah, I didn't see it on the night to be fair. And, and I think you're completely right. You, you, you've, you've, you know, illustrated it really well where he just doesn't, I don't, it's a bit, a bit of a weird one where he's, I don't know, a few yards deeper than the rest of the defence. Is that down to kind of him not playing in this team all season up until, you know, Saliba getting injured and now he's being thrown in and he's just not used to, you know, he's not familiar with the system as it were, or is it just he's not switched on again, similar to Ramsdale and he's just not getting out fast enough, but obviously affects us because, yeah, he if he's a few yards further up, 
I can't, uh, whoever the um, Southampton player is that gets the ball, he can then at least go and engage him um, and try and win the ball back or hold him up, whatever it is, do something. Um, but he's too far off it. So um, the Southampton guy that gets the ball, he's got all the time in the world to pick that pass. So yeah, I think criti- critical of of him in that scenario. I can't remember, do that. Do that? Do we lose the ball? Do we lose the ball to for them to get that attack going? I can't remember. I think we I think did. We lo- yeah, I think, I think we did. Partey we, we loses. I think Partey gives it away, it, yeah. kind of just on the right hand side and, somewhere. And this is another thing, like yeah, and I, and I think again, I, I'm trying to think back because I can't actually remember. But if that is the case, that's not the first time that's obviously happened in the last mm. few games. And again, you know, is that is that down to nerves? Because we know how good Thomas Partey has been this season, but you know, and I know that's the way he plays, right? He's not again. He, you know, he's a he's a it's almost like what he did against Declan Rice in the West Ham game. You know, it's a it's a risky strategy or a risky move, but he's been pulling that off all season, you know, flicking it past a, a midfielder and then it, it, you know, he breaks into space and he can drive forward. But yeah, it just feels like sloppy all around, to be honest. And I, I feel it's a little bit harsh to just pin it all on Rob Holding, but he definitely mm. contributes to them having so much time and space to, yeah, pick out that pass. And it's a, to be fair, it's a fantastic run from Walcott. Like I remember... Seeing it, we you know yeah. we remember seeing it's vintage, that. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And and annoyingly, you know, y- you don't know what you're going to get with Walker. Like I know he scored loads of goal- goals for, for us, and a lot of them from that kind of coming off the right and 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 side footing it into the far corner. And he did that loads for us, but at the same time, he missed loads uh, loads mm. of chances like that. And I was just hoping he, you know he'd, he'd balloon it or something. But yeah, he was on it, and yeah, it's just, it, it, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a I, few defensive errors there. Yeah, the thing about the the holding situation is more like I think this this team can accommodate maybe one thing or one person going wrong, right? But because you look at like that situation where Partey gives the ball away, let's say we had our best team, everyone playing really well. What usually happens if Partey gives the ball away, which he has done in the past, like you said, Mice, what would normally happen is Saliba would in that situation probably be higher up the pitch or at least back himself to get to the man. And then he, then I think it was the same Al, Alcaraz or that's that his name. Yeah. Alcaraz probably doesn't make the pass. Um, or Saliba gets to him. If he, if Alcaraz makes the pass, Gabriel is probably holding a similar line because they both play a high line and the Walcott's probably offside or very worst case, Ramsdale will pull off a really good save. Um, but actually what, what happens is, all of those things go wrong at the same time. Departed's giving the ball away. Holding's not in the right place. Gabriel is a lot deeper and loses man. And then Ramsdale probably should save that, but doesn't. Um, and it's like you take one little thing out of this perfectly balanced team and then the whole thing crumbles a bit. But then you you have a few things going wrong. Like against uh, Southampton, it was we had holding, but then we also had Jacker missing. Um, against West Ham, we had holding, but then we also had Zinchenko missing. I think this team only has tolerance. And then you, you throw on top of that, players playing slightly worse under pressure. You have uh, a cons- like one little thing causes a few other things to drop off, and it kind isn't of correlates. Isn't that more of a reason thing, Aaron? Because rest. isn't that more recent, though? Because, you know, it does feel like we have, I know we've been overall okay injuries wise throughout the season we've had our fair share of injuries but it's not been like an injury plagued season necessarily but but we've generally coped well like it felt like with, with on one injury season. i think we can cope well i think this team has 10 right but the minute you go down to nine i think that's too much yeah. for this team and top of that you've maybe, got pressure maybe, and maybe. players playing badly as well um 
like when we yeah. when we were running with Eddie, I don't think I think we consistently were playing our back, our back four. Thomas Partey was usually fit. I think around that time, when Partey was out, I can't remember who was playing in that position. But then I guess Elneny was around at that point. And then who played when Partey was out injured at the start well, George- of the season? Um, at the start Virginia. of the season, Virginia wasn't. Oh, that was no, at the start of the season, it wasn't. It was. Oh, part of, did part, you not just get in, did not get injured. I don't. I don't think he, he was injured at yes. the beginning of the season. Yeah, oh, maybe he wasn't. Um, but but yeah, I guess my point is yeah. like the team and the squad depth isn't there where like it can sh- hold more than one. Like Trossard's a bit different because I think he is up there with a player who's good enough to be in the first team. But then the drop off. When you got guys like Vieira, Eddie, Holding, Tierney, there's still like quite a big drop off. Yeah. Do you not think? Do you not think that's enough? It, okay, I mean, you named a few players there, but talking about Friday specifically, two players out, um, and we know hold, Saliba to Holding. We know what the drop off is. Of the, I guess the Jacka one, Jacka one was a bit unexpected, but even so, do you not th- still think that's just enough? Like it's enough from mm. a from a player's perspective or from a quality level perspective, those 11 players plus the players on the bench are still miles better on paper than Southampton's, Southampton's team. Like those missed, I don't know. I think a lot of it was just down to pressure and nerves and knowing what's happened in the last couple of games. And you, and you've always got now, now, you know, I guess when you get to the run-in phase, you know that it's, you're, you're basically looking over your shoulder. Like we've been looking over, over our shoulder all season but probably not expecting ourselves to be in the position that we found ourselves in with 10 games to go. Maybe they did. I don't know. But then it's like city city just went, have started, you know, just as we've been on a good run, they've been on a fantastic run as well. So they just keep winning, keep winning, keep winning. And the, the gap was gradually closing. And I feel like now the gap got down to what, four points before the game on Friday. I don't, I, I really think it was just like pressure, no. pressure of never being in this position oh, before. And I don't, maybe I just think, like, I think if you'd have played this game, Arsenal Southampton earlier in the season and you put Holding and Vieira in the team we win the game yeah yeah I, think, I, yeah, I think you'd be naive to say pressure's zero of a factor I I still think you put Holding and Vieira you start Holding and Vieira for the first 10 games of the season I don't think we're top of the league um I... Yeah, maybe I think that's true because because that would suggest if 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 we were then that would suggest that people like Odegaard and and Saliba didn't make huge impacts in that period, which they did. I mean, Saliba was everyone was talking about Saliba for the first ten games. He was pretty much the most talked about player in the Premier League because he was that good. So yeah, I agree on that basis. <laughs> maybe not top... as well. Go on. Maybe not top of the league, but I still think our results would be like I don't think our results would be affected massively. Like if we're playing a, a Man United or a Liverpool in that period, then yeah, maybe the results go a little bit differently. But I think we'd still be able to comfortably beat some of the poorer teams in the league, even yeah, when you take. Poor, I, I, just, I yeah. disagree. I think not with the way. I think the problem is we're trying to play. Well, we did though, right? Because we had Saliba's way. been out for Saliba's been out for a while. He's been out since the Lisbon game. We still beat, I think, yeah. Palace and Leeds without him. Like, so yeah. comfortably, yeah, well, relatively okay, comfortably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fine. I think, but I just think when you, like, over the course of 90 minutes, you can say, like, there's enough variance in it to say, like, oh, it can go either way. And we've got, like you said, good players to say most of the time we probably win. But I think, I think honestly, I think when you play holding, you can't play 
the, the football we're playing now, the football and the system and tactics we're playing now, whilst having holding in. And I think there's a debate to be had to say if we were, if we felt we had no alternative but to play holding, maybe we can discuss this in a minute. Say, did we have an alternative? But if we have that, should we play a different system? Because this system, in my opinion, sets up Rob Holding for failure. Um, and I think, yeah, and I do think, honestly, if you th- if we'd played, if we played the first 10 games of the season with Holding and Vieira or Holding and Tierney, I don't think we could, I think we probably lose two of those games, three of those games. Because I don't, I don't, mate, I just, I don't rate Holding as a defender. I don't rate him as a, definitely don't rate him going forward and causing build-up play. And then Vieira as well. Like, we should probably have a conversation on Vieira as well. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we obviously, we've, we've, we obviously can't, we spent about half an hour and we haven't got very far in the game itself. But I said, so I'm not sure we can dissect the game, but let's talk about maybe some of those big macro things before we move on to the City uh, previewing City. So one of those is Vieira. So maybe it's worth evaluating it in the Vieira versus Smith Rowe uh lens because look the point is Granite Jacker got injured unexpected but whatever I was in the same boat as Mize um it's Southampton at home on a Friday night who cares uh, Fabio Vieira Mill Smith Rowe either of them who else could you want to play at home against the bottom team of the bloody league like you know here's your time to shine brilliant in fact I would have I would argue that there was an argument to say Maybe it's a good game for Xhaka to not have played anyway and got one of those guys to play and got them into form or whatever. Um, so whatever, Fabio Vieira steps up, Smithrow doesn't. Uh, so that decision itself is, is you know, it was an interesting one. And Vieira was, well, I think we all agree because we were extensively talking about it in the Chinese restaurant following the game. Um, you know, he was just piss, piss poor, terrible, <laughs> awful, offered nothing, passenger, I don't know what other words. Mize, give me some of the words. Oh, uh, mate, he was awful, wasn't he? He was absolutely terrible. Just anonymous, probably the best word I can use to describe it, his performance. Um, yeah, like, I was so disappointed with with him, basically, that for, his, for the period that he was on the pitch. I was like, first half, we were sitting behind... Um, Ramsdale, so obviously the, the the end that Arsenal are defending. And we know, like Aaron has just alluded to, right, holding on the ball is very limited. And I kind of feel like when you watch us play with a full-strength team and Xhaka's in central midfield, I know, well, I know he's playing further forward, but let's just say in midfield. When we have the ball in defence, Xhaka will offer himself and open himself up for a passing option. Even if he doesn't get the ball... It, you know, it means that it's creating space in behind, like, you know, further forward. And it's, create. you know, he's basically offering himself as a passing option. And the number of times that Holding and Gabriel had the ball and Vieira was just hovering in that same kind of, like, number eight, or, you know, in that eight position, basically just not getting himself involved in the play at all, just not dropping in. You know, we're two nil down. Uh, in the first half, you know, he should be the one of the players saying, give me the ball. I'm going to make something happen. And he didn't do, he didn't do it at all. And I was getting so pissed off, so frustrated because yeah, you've, he's got his chance, you know, he's probably been sitting on the sidelines the entire season watching us do so well, you know, new signing. And he's been probably itching to impress. You'd like to think that's his attitude anyway. And he finally gets his chance in a huge game against, like you say, Raj, you know, probably the 
perfect opposition in some ways where we know we're going to dominate the ball, you know, in a, in a home game. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't do anything, you know, he doesn't offer himself. And yeah, anonymous is probably the word I'd, I'd, I'd use to describe it. And I'm really interested. I mean, we're never going to know, but I'm so interested to, I would, I would love to know what Arteta's thinking is because obviously look, he's seeing him on the training pitch and he must be impressing him on the training pitch. But we ha- we actually have multiple options that could, you know th- for that position. You could argue Jorginho, you know, you could make it work with Jorginho and Party in central midfield. Maybe might be a bit defensive for a home game against Southampton. You could argue Trossard could potentially play in that position, or you could again make you could probably find a way to accommodate Trossard if Xhaka's out. You've got Smith Rowe on the bench, and obviously that's a whole separate conversation, what's going on with Smith-Rowe and why he's not getting a look in even off the bench when we need a goal in the last few weeks. So he's gone for Vieira, I would like to think on merit um, and and based on what he's done in his minutes so far this season, what he's doing on the training pitch, his attitude is is right and everything. But in the when it mattered, I, yeah, I was really disappointed. I feel like he just, he shy, he, sh- he just, you know, he was, yeah, he just sort of shied, shied away from, um, trying to help us, you know, come back into the game. And I, I was hoping that you, to be honest, I was hoping it would have been a halftime sub, um, but he still got to play a bit of the second half. And I think, you know, he should have, he should have really come off at, at halftime. So yeah, man, just like really disappointed. And personally, I, I, I wouldn't be unhappy if he doesn't play again this season. I'm not saying I, I'm writing him off as an Arsenal player at all, because he's really young. He's new, but you know, this is a time of the season where we need people who are going to dig in and fight, you know, a little bit and, um, and and not not um like not ghost on us basically you know they can't hide um and that's exactly what he did the other night so yeah really and that's the important point the ghosting thing right because it's there's a lot of people make valid points about players coming from other countries and having their first season in the premier league a lot of you know people say look even the best players take a season but there's a difference right if you look at say darwin nunez he's clearly taken time and taking you know present tense time to settle into the premier league but but the effort is obviously there right he's obviously trying his ass off he's 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 running he's doing everything that from an effort perspective he should be doing it's just that his finishing has been poor the timing of runs maybe is a, a little bit poor there's little things those sorts of things this isn't that right Vieira is not, it's not that he is doing all those basic hygiene factors that Aaron and do you, what do you think that, is he just not a very good player? Is he, is he just, has he just not got the character? Yeah. I, yeah, I'll tell you what it is that really annoys me up Vieira is over the last few games, I've said to myself, every time I've seen him play, I think to myself, does he not realize we're in a title race? <laughs> like that is like, that's how he plays. It's just like, it's casual there was that i think it came on against west ham when we were chasing an equalizer and he put that free kick in and he just like nicely floated across in in the 92nd minute and i'm just like what are you doing um there's been a few instances like that where i can't remember there's another game where he did something else and the free kick he put in was absolutely awful it might be the villa game i think it was the villa before game. before uh the equalizer or the winner sorry um but he just comes on and doesn't play with any intensity whatsoever. And what made it worse was it was very clear that Partey had an instruction. Maybe this was a, a tactical tweak to do it more. I know he does it sometimes, but he, he was very often coming deep and basically playing as a centre-back to get the ball off Ramsdale because 
maybe we didn't trust holding to get the ball. But then then it was even more obvious with what you what you were saying, Mike, is then you had Partey there, you had holding there, you had Gabriel there, all sitting deep, facing basically the entire Southampton team. And no one was showing for the ball. And I think it didn't help in that first half because I thought Odegaard for the first 45 didn't have a, a really good first half either. But our midfield looked absolutely awful. Um, but yeah, you again, we've seen that from Odegaard, so we know he can do it. And when you have a, a bad 45 minutes and then he kind of turned it around towards the end. But I've just not seen it from Vieira. And, you know, maybe like he's got he's had a nice assist here and there in the Europa League. But like he plays Premier League games like they're Europa League games. I think that's that's the issue. Um and I think look with Arteta, he's obviously an Arteta signing. We paid what thirty million for him. I think Arteta is very invested in him coming good, and which is why he's giving him these minutes. But look, I, I think you're right. Like what you said, Raj, at the start, which is it's Southampton at home. This is a good game for me to take a gamble on Vieira. So I don't blame him for starting Vieira. But when you have the faith of the manager. You just have to take your chance in a situation like this. And he absolutely blew it. So I, what I really hope is Arteta doesn't keep giving him chances for the rest of the run-in unless we absolutely have to. There are enough options. You know, Trossard came on. He did well. Uh, Smith Rose disappeared. We all have faith in him. Uh, Jorginho could potentially play there or a bit deeper. There are many, many options. And when you have many options, you can't just mess about like he did. Yeah, and again, you know, Russ's point on that, right? Jorginho was pointing having him if he can't start at Jack's place against the worst side in the league. Maybe it goes to your point, Aaron, about maybe he thought, I thought, Southampton at home, it's a really good, I need to, you, you know, Jorginho is, is obviously a very conservative choice. And maybe he thought, Vieira, this would be a good game for him to, you know, really kind of continue on his upskilling of the Premier League. Anyway, um, we're probably going to need to address the Emil Smith-Rowe enigma uh later on, on another episode because i think that serves good time for us to talk about it before moving on to the city game j- just c- covering that last sort of 10 minutes of our game right so we're 3-1 down and i think you know after we went 3-1 down things actually started to look better for us we we clearly arteta thought let's throw the kitchen sink at it made lots of substitutions attacking ones and 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 then from you know 80 minutes onwards i guess it was just relentless from us, right? It was just total pressure, um, doing very good things with the ball. And in the end, 3-3, three, three, but we could have won. We had we had chances. Um, guys, even pulling it back to 3-3, three, three, do you think, does, does that give you any positives from the kind of spirit perspective or maybe might as well come to you for this, or, or do you think that overwhelmingly the guys in that changing room will be more negatively impacted mentally than positively? Surely negatively. They must, they must be so annoyed at themselves for the way that we've, what we've done in the last few games. I think you can give the Liverpool game a pass, like what happened and, you know, <laughs> That was a good point, but it was only a. It was actually only really a good point if you went and won the next two games, right? Um, but I think what happened against West Ham and what happened against Southampton, 
they must be so disappointed because look, it's not over. And I know we're going to talk about what this means for the title and the City game on Wednesday, but it's not over. But we had such a good chance to go into that game with a, a much bigger more comfortable lead and you couldn't have really asked for much you know West Ham away is not the easiest game but it's not the most difficult either and we generally have a good record there and Southampton at home you couldn't have really asked for two like better games if you're going to ask for an away game away game and a home game so they must be I think even coming back and the way that we came back yes fantastic and and normally in most seasons like pre-Man City um and pre the Man City money, I, like going 10 games unbeaten, seven wins, three draws, I think is our record since we lost to City. That's title winning form. Um, so, you know, normally it, would, that, it wouldn't be a disaster, but it feels like, it does feel like it's a bit of, you know, not beating Southampton at home is a bit of a disaster because it's not in our hands. Well, it is in our hands, but, you know, depending on what happens on Wednesday, um, it's also in City's hands. And we've, we've let the, you know, we've opened the door for them basically now. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they'll be really pissed off with themselves. And I think, I think maybe that's not necessarily the worst thing in terms of, from a mentality perspective, because you'd like to think this might help kind of spur them on or give them a bit of a kick up the ass to, to, you know, like there was a lot of talk about, you know, turning up at West Ham. I think it was Carragher that said the Arsenal players were getting cocky. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case because they surely must know there's still like seven, eight, nine games left, whatever. But, you know, if that was the case, and if there was a bit of complacency creeping in, then hopefully this gives them sort of the kick up the arse to say, for, for, well, for them to realise and for, you know, for the Arteta to, to say to them, you know, look, you know, you guys are going to have to fucking sort this shit out for the next, how many games? Six games? Um, you know, you can't defend like this against Man City. You can't defend like this at St. James's Park. You're going to have to fix up. So, who knows? Like it might have a, uh, you know, it's obviously a negative that we haven't won, but maybe it might have a bit of a positive effect going into the last few games. But yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. Like, I felt like, I felt like they, and it kind of understandably, but also I, I feel like they might've had one eye on the city game. Like, do you guys think that that could have been the case? Cause like the way we started the game, it definitely looked like we weren't focused on Southampton. It felt like they were, the, I think the fans Maybe. were already thinking about City. We've all, we've yeah. been thinking about the City game for weeks. I just wonder if the players were already looking at that game as like the big one and maybe they thought Southampton would be a, a bit of a formality because we've been scoring goals and probably thought we could turn up and 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 they didn't expect what they got from Southampton. Yeah, personally, I think even if it wasn't that they were looking at the City game, I do think they were complacent. Um, I, I, I think they... they yeah, m- maybe there's there's not even that much more worth elaborating on. I, I feel like what we did in the last 20 minutes, and I know you can that's facilitated by the fact that we've suddenly got all these attacking players on the pitch, fine, right? But some of the basic things that we were doing in the last 20 minutes, we, we could have done earlier and we didn't. Just making simpler passes quicker, just getting it forward quicker, just those things, overlapping runs, basic things like overlapping runs. We weren't really doing. I mean, Martinelli yeah. was killing it, right? In that, yeah. in in the first half, like fair enough, he he was. Um, but that energy that he showed in the first half, if two or three other attacking players show it, come on, wait, we we we're winning at halftime, regardless of the fact that we conceded two goals. Um, they find Jesus didn't have a great game, all, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, look, I think I think there was complacency. I mean, 
do you agree, Aaron? And do you think complacency? Do you think an Ireland City game? Uh, I think there was probably a bit of complacency at the start of the game, which was okay. It's just Southampton. We've got enough to win this. I don't think when we, I don't think at two 0 down we were complacent. I think, uh, I honestly think it was it was a bit of a concern. It reminded me of like we just go through over these last three three games. We've gone through periods where we just stop like knowing how to attack, and the attack all of a sudden looks very very blunt. And we go back to like last season where we kind of just pass it around quite aimlessly without really doing much up front and like creating anything clinical and and that was what worried me it's like after um after west ham equalized we were really bad and actually there's a period between kind of 2-1 to 70 75 80 minutes where we just looked dead like we weren't really doing anything and you could say that's personnel. I know it's like Southampton, for example. I think they switched to a back five, or they definitely became more defensive at half time. Um, and yeah, just for whatever reason, we didn't. I think maybe even the game plan probably wasn't right. Like tactically, we weren't doing the right things. And then it was only like you said when we we got that kind of Odegaard goal, um, and everyone was like, "Oh, hang on a minute, we could get something here." And then obviously that the last kind of 10 minutes, especially with all the added time and the time wasting and that was going on, um, it turned into like probably like the most intense 10 minutes of football you've ever seen. Um, I just think this team, uh, I don't know if it's like they're, they're bottling it or they're, the pressure or the mentality, but there's something they're not handling. I think ever since like Liverpool, Liverpool like was the start of the run-in in that sense. And we, I think you might have said this to me, Mize, uh, after the game is that we stopped, we kind of stopped going game by game and we started treating it as a, there are nine games left. What will we do over nine games? And we've, we have fans do this all the time, but I feel like that got to the players a bit. And, and yeah, I think sometimes we were so eager, we forced it and we weren't like, even in the first half when we were two nil down, there were a period before we got the, you know, the goal back, we were playing like it was the 92nd minute in the 10th, 15th minute minute of the game. And there were probably periods where we just needed to calm down a bit um, and stop trying to force it, stop trying to make things happen in the 25th minute or the, you know, the 55th minute when we've got time left over. And maybe like uh, that's kind of where you want your experienced heads to come in and just say, okay, guys, just chill. But actually what happened was guys like Zinchenko, guys like Jesus, they were the ones that were forcing it more than others. I thought Martinelli and Saka probably brought the most control that you've seen. And maybe that was the time to just bring on someone like Jorginho just to, you know, hopefully add a bit more experience and just tell everyone to, you know, just chill. Let's control the game. Let's play our football. And the fact that we do have kind of most of our first 11 on the pitch and we have better players would have shown. Um, and maybe that's how the experience is, is getting to them. Yeah. Agree. And look, let's look to the city game. Now, would you guys, I'm going to go to you Aaron first just to continue on that little vein of form. Would you make any changes to the starting 11, whether it's bringing in some of that extra control, whether it is kind of 
some of the perceived frailties that we've talked about. Would you make any changes going into City? There's only a few days, you know, between games, um, but still, does it warrant changes? I'm really torn. I think it depends. You know, A, what are the alternatives to the holding situation? And how do we deal with that if there are any? I think my gut tells me if there was an alternative that Arteta trusted, he would have done it by now. Um, And that kind of says, for whatever reason, Kiviyor isn't really showing that he can play at right centre-back. The other options, moving Partey to right back or whatever that is, doesn't really seem to make sense to me. So, yeah, I think... I think you probably just have to play the best back four you have available, which probably includes holding. And then, you know, then it's a question of seeing some ideas of do we perhaps not play someone like Xhaka and play Jorginho and Partey and try and control the game a bit more and protect that back four. I actually think... I'd actually refrain from doing that. And I say, actually, maybe we just we just go for it and actually maybe the only chance we have of getting something from this game is if we win it 5-4 or something like that, or 4-3, and say, yeah, look, Haaland might get two goals against holding, but actually we've got good enough attacking players to cause them problems, especially if Ake is out. Maybe, uh, you know, Saka can get something against Laporte. Uh, you know, Carl Walker's quick, and but Martinelli is... You know, as good in, in the form of his life at the moment. So maybe we just say, look, this is our best front five, you know, and we have a, a turns into a bit of a basketball game, which is, you know, your defense against our attack and, uh, and vice versa. Um, it's it's a bit yeah, risky. But City, but City, but City seem to be quite good at not letting games become like that. Like even in the games that they lose. It does, they don't seem to be sort of chaotic type games. It feels mm. like actually to beat City, you almost really do need to go for a bit of a chess game and 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 really kind of be willing to 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 feel a lot of pain during the game for periods, um, but equally have that bravery to kind of go forward and pick your moments. And I feel like whenever we've I sort of. I think the last couple of times we played it, even even when we lost them at home this time, um, I felt we were quite good at doing that. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I'd worry about that approach. To be honest, Aaron, I'm not necessarily saying it's the wrong one. Um, you know, you're you're. I said when I say that the approach, I the approach is play our best team, right? So I'm not saying do anything drastic, but I'm saying play holding. But you know, you're playing a midfield of Partey, Xhaka, and Odegaard. It's not. What I'm saying is like don't. Try it. Don't be so scared of City and so worried about holding and and everyone that you overcompensate and then completely kill our attack. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you take Jacker out, you, you see what happens when you take Jacker out, right? There's no no guarantee that Jorginho comes in and does a better job than what Jacker could have done. Um, it is a worry. Like I would like we've seen what happens when holding's there. Right? We've seen all the flaws of his game get wildly exposed. We've seen Harland against holding and we've seen how that ends up it doesn't end up well right have we but, seen Haaland against holding oh that was in the in the cup in the yeah, FA cup. Cup. yeah. Right. okay um no that wasn't pre so yeah that's the worry um uh, it's it's very tough i think 
you probably said this, Raj, and maybe I'll turn the question around on you, which is, uh, what would you would you do something different? But I, I suspect you'll say, if he was going to do something different, he should have done it on Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I would have said. I, I was desperate of him to do something different on Friday night. Desperate. I really wanted him to play Kirior and and just go for that. Uh, I I know managers love the left foot right foot combinations. Um, Ten Hag loves it. Guardiola loves it. Arteta loves it. They clearly know more than about football than we do. And they're very adamant about it. Uh, they talk so specifically about the angles and it's all about the angles and bloody hell. Like, so obviously it must be a massive, massive deal to how they believe the game needs to be played. But surely, surely sometimes you need to compromise. And surely in a situation like we've been in recently where it's been obvious that Yes, holding to right footed, so we get some of those angles, but there's lots of things that you can't do, and that's causing lots of other issues. Surely every now and again you you just say, All right, fine, well, I'm gonna have to lose out on the angles, but maybe maybe, maybe the rest will be okay. So Kibio, he's rapid. That seems to be his strength. He's very fast. He's a ball playing centre half. It could go wrong, right? It, it you know, he, he he might not be great. He's certainly not gonna be as good as Saliba. Um, but what did we have to lose? But you know, knowing that holding you know wasn't going to be isn't going to be great anyway i really felt like we could have gone for that on friday but i don't think we can go for that on uh, on wednesday now I, I think you've got to you've got you know we might there's the benefit potentially of saying all right well now we've had a few games with holding and now we've had a few games where there's been some of these issues maybe they know what they are and they've rectified them over the last few days I'm, I'm, I'm being optimistic here uh, but i don't think you can try anything new defensively attacking maybe and maybe that's a question, Mize, you know, Russ Morgan's got the qu- question at the bottom again. Um, would you start playing Trossard from the beginning? If so, who would you drop? And Trossard has been just this brilliant player for us this season since he signed, whether he's starting, whether he's coming off the bench. He was he was good, I thought, you know, when he, when he came on uh, on Friday as well. Would you start Trossard, mate? And who, who would it be for? Uh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, I think he deserves to be in the team. I think, um, look, on merit or not on merit. Yeah, I think. I think based on what he's been offering us every time he's put on an Arsenal shirt, whether that's been from the start or off the bench, he's been fantastic. Um, and you could argue that he does. He deserves a start, but then I would struggle to look at who to drop because you can't drop Martinelli. He's absolutely on fire at the moment. You can't drop Saka. I'd say he's, I think he's been fantastic the last few games, even despite the Southampton game. You're not going to drop Saka regardless. I don't really want to see Trossard through the middle. I think despite the chances that Jesus misses, and again, he didn't have the best game on Friday. He's still, like we were, we were, we managed to get through a period of two or three months without Hazus, but we still were desperate to get him back. And there was a reason for that. Um, and even since coming back from injury, he started scoring goals again. Um, I just don't think, I just don't feel like you can, not so much you can't drop him, but I would rather see Hazus going through the middle than, than Trossard personally. And then you're sort of going, you know, again, then you're going back through the team and who else are you going to drop for him? If Jack is not back, for whatever reason, like I think he was ill on Friday. And if he's not back, then potentially you could argue he could maybe work in that, in that um, number eight position, but it's not really his best position, but yeah, it could work. But otherwise I don't really see a space for him in the team personally. So 
yeah, I, I, I would go with the same kind of front three in Erdegaard as as we we have been. I think that's our best front three. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too upset if they dropped Jesus and started Trossard on Wednesday. You were very critical I mean, of Jesus a, after the game on Friday. I just like I was very frustrated during the game. Which is, during the game. During the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't have his best. It's like, look, Jesus is a quality, quality player. Like, I'm not. No one is doubting that, right? But I think we saw the trade-off, which is in these games where sometimes you don't play well and you get these half chances or these chances where you expect a top, top elite clinical finisher to score. He's not going to be that guy. Um, but this is nothing new, right? And the trade-off is he's not going to put that chance in, but he's going to help create three, four, five, six other chances for the players around him by his pressing and tackling his 50-50s, his duels, his assists. Um that it kind of makes it worth it. But yeah, that that is a downside, right? And I think the question is, you know, I really, really liked how we looked when um, we played Trossard up front and we played Saka and Martinelli either side of him. I thought it gets the best out of Saka, it gets the best out of uh, Xhaka especially, actually. Um, but so I wouldn't be totally upset and then I actually think bringing someone like Jesus off the bench could be awesome. The The downside is I think psychologically we kind of, this team is set up with Jesus to be like the guy, right? Mm. Like he is our talisman. He is our big striker. He is the guy that is there to win us. Well, I think at the start of the season, he was a guy to get us top four, but you know, you kind of saw him as a four or five year signing to hopefully win us titles. And he is a guy he with the experience as well, of right? yeah. having exactly. Um, so we lose a lot of that presence. Um, and I think if you drop him for this game, you probably knock his confidence back quite a bit. Um, but no, I, w- I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if he um, starts with Trossard up front on Wednesday. I can't, I can't see it. Oh, he's against his old club as well. I think he'll be determined to prove a point. Him as Zinchenko will be big, big call. Yeah. If des- he does that, you're right. Desperate yeah. to, to, you know, do well. And, and I think with the Trossard thing, as, despite what I said, you know, he's been fantastic and I, and I stand by that. I think we all love Trossard already. The Southampton kind of cameo performance and him hitting the bar and being, you know, part of the reason we came back, I guess it's somewhat, I don't want to say easy, but it's easier to look great when we're 2-0 down at home and we're absolutely controlling all of the ball and we're trying to get a couple of goals back and he's obviously going to be integral to that. So like, do you know what I mean? Like he's obviously going to, you know, he helps contribute to that, but at the same time he's highlighted in that kind of period of the game where we're desperate for a goal and he's going to obviously be part of the, you know, every single attack and the ball's just um, consistently in Southampton's kind of defensive third. So you've got kind of factor that in as well, but yeah, I, yeah, I would, I would go with Jesus. I think he's still, despite the chances he misses, he's still got a goal in him. And I think that could play a massive factor, just the fact, you know, the, the motivation to do well against, against City and almost prove a point to, to Pep um, and to City that, you know, you guys were happy to get rid of me and replace me with Harlan down yeah. the other end and, that must be in his mind. It must be in his mind. Do you, do you hold and the same... And he's a big game player as well, I think. Yeah, sorry. It's go a me. good problem to have he, either way, right? Yeah. It is. 
It is. Do you hold that same logic, Myers, for Zinchenko? Because you mentioned Zinchenko before. Um, you know, we've covered in the past that we think that Zinchenko, as much as he's been, you know, outstanding and is an outstanding footballer, isn't necessarily our most uh, defensively solid fullback. Uh, does this game at City warrant something different? I mean, Charles Cherian in the comments, I mean, he is going nuclear with this, right? He's 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 saying, why can't we go four centre backs in defence? Holding Kibbe or Gabriel Jacka stroke party. I mean, Jacka's stroke party aren't even centre backs, but you know he he really what he doesn't even want Ben White anywhere near there, right? Like I mean, <laughs> you know this, he, this is this is nuclear. I mean, do you, do you, what do you think about does does it warrant? Uh, yeah, Zinchenko maybe take a step back today. Let's get Tierney in there. Well, what do you think? No, personally, no. I, I mean, just touching on some of the points you guys made, like I agree that if if he was ever going to try something different, it had to be in the game on Friday. He obviously decided against that. I think that indicates that, assuming there's no injuries, then we go with the same back four. Um, so holding plays and Zinchenko plays. And I think, again, it's kind of similar, like you talk, Zinchenko, again, been a revelation since he joined. We've been we've been raving about his performances and I don't think, you know, but we've been doing that despite knowing that, yeah, he can be a little bit vulnerable defensively and we're going to be vulnerable down that side because he plays. So he plays centrally for the majority of the game, especially when we have the ball. So we're going to get caught out. So I think that's just a, um, you know, that's just a trade off for the way that we're going to play. And I think you can't start changing things like we've literally, that's been our setup the entire season and it's worked really well up until this point. So I think it'll be kind of mental to, to start, you know, changing that now um, for the biggest game of the season. And I, and, I, but, and the other thing, yeah, go on. No, like I take your point, but I guess my point, it's kind of goes back to the point I made earlier, which is like we put in, um, holding and when you put holding in this system, the system doesn't work, right? It, we you, we had this really good system, which was this is when you've got two fast, pacey centre backs with good recovery place pace, who can you know tackle and push up high. This works, right? The minute you stop doing that, the system isn't a good system anymore. Um, it's a system that's consistently conceding goals even with good centre-backs. And now we're conceding even more goals because one of our centre-backs is um, even worse. Um, so actually, like, you know, you know, like we talk about Pep's system of playing the three centre-backs plus stones in what looks like midfield sometimes. Um, mm. Like, I don't think people give Pep enough credit for, like, how he's just subtly dropped that into the into the way City play. Because at the start of the season, they weren't, secure right they were they couldn't really figure out how to make harland and de bruyne work and and they were consistent the with, that, with the rico lewis thing as well weren't they they yeah. were kind of they were doing all that and yeah. and pep was like this just isn't working i like i i need to get the best out of harland and i need to stop conceding goals and he's dropped this like ridiculous system of playing three defenders no real fullbacks playing another center back in midfield and it seems yeah, to be mate, working it- for them yeah, it's a bit easier to do that when you've got Man City's like no, roster. I, I right? get it. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But at the same time, that's kind of what you want a top top manager to do, which is these are the players I've got. How do I win the game? And it's not always just I'm going to play hard. I mean, play holding and hope that it works out. I'm going to play Tierney and make him do the Zinchenko thing when he can't do the Zinchenko thing. Why doesn't he get 
find a system that gets the best out of Tierney or like says, I'm going to protect holding. And I know he's trying that, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's nailed the, the kind of system when um, we have some players out. And I think, I think, yeah, I think Mike's that, point is fair though, right? isn't it? Cause more, cause, cause you know, when you've got the best ingredients, yeah, you can do all kinds of things. And maybe that's the issue. Maybe, fair, maybe I'm not saying got 100 yeah, yeah, solutions. Yeah, we have seen that with other teams. Like you look at what happened with Liverpool when they lost Van Dijk, right? The whole system crumbled. Um, even for a while, without Mane, until very, very recently, it looked like they just couldn't get going for the first four or five months of the season. Um, yeah. But I think when you are, unfortunately, competing with the best, like one of the best managers of all time, who has unlimited money and five fifty million pounds centre-backs, yeah, they can do that. But that, unfortunately, is the bar. Um, so, are you, and if we're, so you, go on, sorry, sorry to interrupt, go on. No, I guess I'm just saying, like, the fact that we haven't really tried anything else except maybe subtle tweaks to our system is, you know, I think there's two things, right? It's A, like Arteta is probably thinking what you're, you guys are saying is we've got the system that works. It gets the best out of our front four or five. I'm going to stick with it and I hope the defense can last. But, um, but perhaps there's another world where he finds another way of winning. Well, I think that's, it's interesting because I think that's, Actually, Charles's original comment now kind of reading through some of his clarifying points, I think was sort of what he was perhaps alluding to something similar to what City are doing in the whole, not necessarily playing without playing without a fullback system and having that, you know, three centre backs and, you know, but, but you know, in, in that kind of ball playing three one sort of thing. Um, but, you know, Russ also makes his other good point, right, about we've talked about this before on this episode, but Tommy Yass's injury has been arguably as bad for us as Saliba's injury because yep. of the knock on the knock on right it's um yeah but anyway guys um let's just how do you think the game's actually going to go let's just think about the repercussions so where are we are at the moment Arsenal played 32 games we're on 75 points Man City have played 30 games and we're on 70 points so that's five points gap but you know two games uh in hand Man City have now look if Man City beat Arsenal then that goes down to 73. That's 73 points Man City will have. So that's a gap of two and City will have two games in hand. If it's a draw, then, you know, that five point gap is maintained, but City still have two games in hand. And, um, you know, obviously if Arsenal win, then it's uh, an eight point gap, but with um, City having two games in hand. So it's one of these things, Arsenal win, then it's very much, you know, it's 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 Arsenal. Arsenal are still in the are in the box seat. It's Arsenal's to lose. If Arsenal draw, then you know it, it's no longer in our hands. But it's still that five point gap. So Man City still have to be perfect, right? Like, or they still have to win those two games in hand, and they have to match Arsenal's other results. But a loss is just, you know, it's quite hard to um, to to try and get hope. With all that context, guys, what do you think? Are Arsenal going to get a result on Wednesday? Mice? Um, I really, honestly, mate, I, I, I can see us. Like, imagine we defend the way we've been defending the last few weeks. You could see us getting trounced by God knows how many goals. Um, 
and you can almost picture the the Rob holding kind of. I, I don't want to pick on him, but you know the kind of what we saw in the FA Cup game. Haaland just absolutely bullied him, um, and I think we were a bit lucky that it didn't lead to worse on that night, and we didn't really care because it was the cup. Um, so I, I'm I'm scared. I'm I'm genuinely scared for what could potentially happen if we defend the way we've been defending, and and it's mistakes, it's errors that is the worry. It's that's what's crept into the our game, and we're making so many of them. We can't afford to make any, pretty much, on uh, on on Wednesday. Um, I mean, look, just just one thing I wanted to say before I kind of give my prediction was I agree with Aaron, and where we can't, I don't think we can turn up to this game and try and just defend and try and like go ultra defensive basically um and hold on to a draw or try and nick a goal i just don't think that this team this defense are going to be able to do that i'm not saying that we should just go or you know kind of go gung-ho and try and yeah outscore them but i think if you watch the well, i don't know if you guys watch the Bayern munich ties but that first leg Bayern munich had so many they had loads of chances they should have scored a couple of goals and the way that they were the way that they were creating chances was they were actually winning the ball back in transition really quickly and kind of fairly high up the pitch and then letting the likes of Sane, Musiala to kind of go and do damage. And they were probably a little bit unlucky to not get a couple of goals. And I guess if you think about the way that we play, if Partey has a really good game, if Zinchenko in the middle has a really good game, if Ben White has a really good game and these guys can, again, you know, transition the ball and then we just get it forward and let Saka, Hazus, Martelli, Erdegaard do the damage they've been doing all season, then I can see us scoring goals. I can see us actually causing City loads of problems. And I think that's how we've got to approach the game. We've got to look at what Bayern did. I know that they lost the game. I think they lost the first leg three now or something like that. But, you know, like I say, it, City were vulnerable. Edison saved them a number of times. So I'm kind of hoping that that's how we approach the game. And like Aaron and said, we can't go into it being scared of them. You know, we can't go into this game. I think if we, if we have that approach and we shit ourselves and we start, you know, making mistakes and stuff, then I, I yeah, I, I don't hold much hope for us because we know City are going to get chances. We know Harlan's going to get, you know, if Harlan's, if he starts getting chances in the box, he's going to get a couple of goals at least. Um, and we've got to try and prevent that. And I think the best way of preventing that is us, us trying to cause city problems and do damage down there. And if that makes sense. So I, I, I have a tinge of hope. I have a tiny bit of hope that we can get a good result, but I'm also really scared of what could happen. So I'm going to sit on the fence and go for a draw. I'm going to go for a two, two draw, another two, two draw. Harrenen. Um, so yeah, I think my says we can't be scared, but I'm absolutely terrified, mate. <laughs> Honestly, I cannot see anything but City comfortably beating us. Unfortunately, uh, I've never been more pessimistic going into a to a game. It's because really, <laughs> you've never like... been more pessimistic. Yeah, going exactly. Into a game. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> no, but I yeah. Honestly, like okay, in recent times where I'm like. I'm, I was very, okay, maybe exaggerating a bit, but yeah, I think I've never been like more we, pessimistic. We are still good, this right? like we are, we're, we're still look, we're still like top of the. We're not like some. I think you know what it is. It's like it is. It sounds nonsense, but it is purely Rob Holding. 
Like, and no, I don't want to sound mate. like I'm going in on this That's guy. so harsh. But like, I have seen Rob Holt. No, but I've seen Rob Holt. You know what it goes back to? is like every time we're like, let's not be scared. Let's not do dumb things. Let's concentrate and play your game. Rob Holding doesn't do that, right? I remember Spurs away, okay? We were like, let's not be scared of Son. Let's not be scared of Kane. What does he go and do? He goes and panics and gets sent off against Son. Game's over. Um, against Haaland in the FA Cup, we're like, big striker. Don't be scared of Haaland. Don't wind him up. Don't get caught and don't fall for his tricks. What does he do? He falls for his tricks and does something dumb. And I think he lets he gets booked, certainly. And then I think he lets Haaland through. Well, I can't remember what happened. Maybe he didn't play that badly in terms of the way he led to a goal. Maybe he even got taken off at half time. I can't remember. But I I just don't rate this guy in big games. And when you play City, you need everyone to turn up. And you need to be perfect because unfortunately you're competing against a super team who have unlimited money and one of the best tactical managers in the world right and i think i think the only way we we come out of their minds is alive is if we like you said go for it and we can get like a 2-2 or 3-3 draw or something like that um but i find that that the only glimmer of hope is if ake's out i think he's been holding that defense together a, a a bit and maybe Saka can get at Laporte. Um, I've even seen a few City fans being like really worried that Laporte's playing. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Um, but no, I my honestly, I think it will be 4 1 City or something like Whoa. that. Whoa, bloody hell. I mean, it's one of those things. I'll be, I mean, if I, if we get a nil nil or we get a one one, we're not getting a nil nil. If we come away but, with that place for a draw, I would be absolutely delighted. Um, so you, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think, like I was, I thought I was pretty harsh without my prediction because I, like I said, I'm, I'm shitting myself that, like, yeah, it could be that kind of scoreline. But I'm kind of hoping that we've learned a little bit from these last few weeks, right? That the, the good thing about going through what we've gone through is, like, as in, you know, the, the, you know, leading at Anfield, leading at Upton, uh, sorry, London Stadium, two 0 coming back, and what's happening at Southampton. You know, I think they've learned. They must have learned quite a few lessons from that. And uh, I think wait, also, I, I just think we've you, got a defender that doesn't learn lessons. I'm sorry, <laughs> like he's awful. Yeah, because that's not a mentality um, thing with him, is it? It's a it's a quality thing. Yeah, he's not good enough. Yeah, but mate, we, we, he's not the re- he's not the reason. I mean, look, you can always pin it back to say, okay, if Saliba's playing, then this happens, that happens, fine. But he's not the reason that Ramsdale, even if, like you said, for the first goal, Ramsdale makes a mistake. He's not he's not passed to Zinchenko because Rob Holding's selling him to. No, he's made a right. mistake because he's, you know. Again, probably pressure or nerves or whatever. You know, Gabriel giving away a penalty because Partey gives the ball away against West Ham. That's nothing to do. I mean, not it's nothing to. Yeah, of course he's going to obviously have a contributing uh, factor to every defensive error because isn't he's part this of the issue, Mike? Like, so isn't like because we've analysed the last few games and I think we've analysed mm. quite consistently that even though there's pretty much not one goal that you could directly say was Holding's fault. There's, there's pretty much not one goal that you could do that. But I think when we've analysed mm. the last few games, we've thought that there's plenty of reasons to suggest that we are playing differently. Other players are having to do different things because of holding. Yeah. And, and, but this, and this even is so, you should he, still beat Southampton at home, right? I know we're kind yeah, of going yeah, back yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Of course, so, of course. But I'm saying yeah, with City, so, like, you know, isn't, isn't that hmm. a big, a really big concern? Mate, of course, of course. Don't get me wrong, right? The difference between having Saliba going into this game and, and Rob holding is like, yeah, of course, that is one of the biggest worries. And 
we saw, like like we just said, the FA Cup game, there was a couple of times where Rob Holding went further up, went quite up the pitch. Harlan was basically in behind and Holding just had to bring him down. And if that happens a couple of times, he's going to get sent off. He's going to give away a penalty. He's whatever. Like, it's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible. But I'm kind of exactly. hoping that, That's like what I, I said, think is going to happen. they learn... If it happens, then it happens, and you know, yeah, okay, right. You, you guys are right, or I don't know, Raj, if you have the same view, but I'm kind I of think hoping we're gonna win. that they're gonna. Oh, okay. Well, let's move on to that then. Bloody hell. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love some of whatever you're having, mate. Please send it my way. No, because <laughs> go so, for so, it, Raj. Do you know how you know you made a really good point before, Aaron, earlier on in this episode, where you said that? Well, I think you said that I said it to you, which was around the whole we stop taking things game by game. Yeah. that's a really astute comment because that I think that's absolutely true. So I, I, and I think that if you, you could even hear it in interviews when we were winning games and when we were like kind of, you know, pr- prior to the Liverpool game, everyone, everyone still thought City were going to win the title and, and everyone was like, all right, well, this is amazing what Arsenal are doing. And I kept on asking them questions around, can you do it? Whatever. And it was always really, you know, Arsenal, all the players, they look laser focused when they were just like, we're just, just the next game. I thought, what are you thinking about the next game? I'm thinking about the time, I'm just thinking about the next game. And actually, that's changed now, I've noticed, because over the last few games, firstly, even pre-Liverpool, people started talking like, even the pundits, you know, Key, Neville, you know, whatever, they started being a bit more like, oh, Arsenal could actually do this. I think Arsenal, Arsenal could win this thing. And loads of other commentators and pundits have been, and a lot of the media have been like, well, Arsenal, Arsenal, actually. I think something's changed and I think the players mentally have been affected by that. And when you hear some of the interviews, they haven't been talking about going game by game. They've been talking about, we really want to finish and do something amazing this season. We really want to kind of do that. It's like they're thinking about it. And I completely agree, therefore, with what you guys said. I think they've started looking at it as a run-in, which has completely screwed them over. But I think that what we might benefit from is now, after the last few games, people aren't saying that anymore. After the last few games, the narrative is, we've bottled it. It's done, basically. The narrative is very much that if they can't be Southampton at home, if they're going to put two 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 all draws after being two 0 up, it's not happening. And City, they they're, they're being imperious. They they've won all their games recently. They you know, they're City. They've been they've battered Bayern. They've you know whatever. They're, they're brilliant, and we're away to them. Rob holding this that no chance. I genuinely think our players are going to go there with a certain sense of well, what the hell? Like no one thinks we're going to win here. Everyone seems to think we've bottled it. Maybe we have. And I think they won't have that. They won't freeze. So it's not going to be this very, very nervy game. And I think they'll know that if we lose, we're, we're toast. If we draw, it's still alive. And if we win, that's an amazing positive. It's a huge, huge positive. It's like a true six-pointer in that respect, right? So I think they'll go out there and I think they'll really, really go for it. I think they 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 will really go for it. And and I think as a result of that, I think we could see a, a game where it's... Uh, it's a real thriller. I think it could be properly end to end. I think that we will, um, we won't be nervous in possession. I think even when defending technically it might happen. So I think, you know, your point, um, Aaron, and, you know, I think technically speaking, just purely on the fact that they have excellent players and, and holding and whatever. And, you know, the system isn't like looking fantastic. It might lead to city scoring, but I don't think it will be because of nerves. I think it will just, that'll be a quality thing. So actually I'm, I'm looking at this a little bit more positively. I'm looking at, I'm remembering the Chelsea away game last season where my, you know, when, when, when we hmm. went to that and we had lost three games on the bounce leading up to that Palace, Brighton and um, Southampton, we had lost leading up to that game. And that point, Chelsea are European champions. Yeah. Still at that point, like it's, it's a big, a big away game. And 
you know, we played with a completely different Arsenal. We were really good that day and 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 won. Um, so I, I actually, I'll go for a win. Uh, but I could very easily see the things that you guys have said happening. I can see us, you know, losing 4-1 is a possibility as well. But I'm actually, yeah, man, I think we'll do it. But you know what? Like, I'm really worried about, I'm worried that even if we do win, it will be kind of all in vain. I feel no like way, there mate. are more games to come. Like, you know, we go away Surely. to St. James's Park and at home to Brighton, you know, things like that. Think, where if we, yeah. so if we win on Wednesday and we still don't win yeah. the league, I know it's not done. There's some very hard games, but see, you've got some tough games as well. If we don't win after the win the league, sorry, after winning on Wednesday, that is a, I don't like using the term, that is a bowl. That is a bowl. But, no, no, it's not but, a bowl. But no. say if you, go, is, let's mate. rewind. That that is, let's rewind. Yeah. If you go pre, pre Liverpool, if you think about it, pre-Liverpool, right? When we were trying to predict how things were going at that point and how things would go, I don't think any of us at that point were like, yeah, I think Arsenal are going to win the league. And a lot of us yeah. weren't sure about whether we'd beat Liverpool, but we were all sure we'd beat West Ham and we were all sure that we would beat Southampton. Yeah? Yeah. So at the end of the day, we have not, we've we've not done those things. Like, so, so you know, we we didn't win any of those games. So on that basis, right, like, we should be fundamentally less confident than we were then, right? So I don't think that even beating City surely should put us in a situation where but it's then a six all of a pointer, sudden, like you know. said, mate. Like it is the six pointer. So yeah, yeah I agree at, at this moment in time, completely agree with you, right? But if yeah. we then go and beat City, that's what that what would we be? Eight points clear? Yeah. Is that right? They yeah. have two games in hand. So they've got to play two more games. And then, yeah. I mean, it's just a case of we have to, I don't know how many games we'd actually have to win to win the league. But even with the trips, like St. James's Park, for example, is a tough away game. It, I don't I don't know, man. Like, I don't think you could look at those fixtures when you're in that position with five games to go and you don't then go and win the league. Uh, that's nothing more. That There's nothing else. I, I think that is a complete bottle, to be honest. Nah, As in, what, what, so what, so what would it take for us to not win the league? With those, with five five games to go, three of them at home, I think. Chelsea, Brighton, right, yeah, Wolves, like, and Wolves. Yeah, yeah, fine, but we could beat City. So what would be eight points with two games in hand, right? Yeah, yeah. So we could win four, whatever it is, draw to Newcastle, and not win the league. Yeah, and exactly. I think we'd probably lose on goal difference. That, I mean, so yeah. okay, fine. <sighs> That's not a bottle job, mate. That's just drawing away to Newcastle. And winning, if we went and lost every other game, yeah, that's nonsense, right? But if we we could easily draw to Brighton, draw to Newcastle, beat Chelsea, beat Wolves, beat Forest, is that a bottle job? Okay, when you put it like that, maybe not, maybe not, maybe I didn't do the maths like, in my. But the thing is, right, if City it. then drop, draw, if City draw another two games, and then we draw another four games. And still, draw. yeah, 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 like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a bottle job. I agree. I guess I'm but, not envisioning a situation where City win all okay apart from our game what would that be seven other games i've got to play they've got eight games left yeah. right including ours so, so i can't i personally don't think they win i don't then think it's they get yeah 21 points out of 21 um so that's what that's where i'm saying i think that means that we would have dropped more than a couple of points at say newcastle away um it probably means we've dropped points in like the chelsea game or the brighton game for example and 
that yeah yeah I, and, yeah, and I mean, that is, I think, yeah it's all it's but my main conclusion is this is a team that wasn't built for a title challenge this season so i don't think yeah. anything they do between now and the end of the season is i mean unless there are some extremes and to be fair drawing <laughs> three of our last games is you know probably on the more extreme side of these things but I don't think there's anything you can do to be like, this is a bottle job when you're up against this City team. That, Unless the City team start dropping points all over as well. Um, yeah, this is a team that could get more points than the Invincibles. Um, this is like a phenomenal, phenomenal team that I don't think you can say have... I mean, the word bottling it is interesting. Like, Is it the fact that the pressure got to you and you don't have the experience and you don't have the players and you have a few injuries, is that bottling it? I don't know. Um, but, yeah. I... But it is, it is a very emotive word, isn't it? Because you, you could say, do you, is it fair yeah. to use the word bottling because of... If we know, have a few more of the Southampton performances, then I think, yeah, that is yeah. bottling it. Like, if we went and went 3-0 behind to Wolves and came back to win 3-3 and went 2-0 behind down to Forest or lost to Forest, then, yeah, I think that's... You'd have to start questioning some of these players. If we don't win it because we didn't beat Newcastle away or we didn't beat uh, Chelsea at home or, you know, Brighton at home, maybe Chelsea is different, but Brighton, who are a very good team, they're just tough games. City have got them as well. But I guess... Yeah, but we're just not City. That's the thing. No, we're not City, but I think if if you're able to go and beat City and then it's finishing line is in sight, the confidence that must then give you, knowing that you're eight points clear... City have got to then go and they're hoping that we're dropping points, basically. I don't know. I feel like then, yes, St. James's Park is going to be a very, very tough game. But the others, even Brian at home, I know that's going to be a very tough game as well. But that's not, it's not the worst. It's not the worst run. Like they still got to go to Brighton. They've got to go to yeah, Goodison no, Park, right. for example. They've got some tough games as well. I think they've got to go to Brentford. And yes, it's City. But I think when you're that close to winning a title and you've just gone to, yeah, you're, you know, we're lauding city at the moment, right? We're talking about how unbelievable they are in terms of on the pitch and the players they've got and the manager they've got. If we go there and beat them, then I don't know. I think if you, if you then don't go and win the league with such a small number of games to go, despite the injuries, whatever, if it's because city win seven games, then fine. Yeah. It's of course that's not a bottle because we have to be perfect as well, pretty much. But if it means we've dropped points in multiple games in those last five, I don't know. I feel like that is that I'd be really disappointed if that happens. You oh, guys yeah. would be as yeah. well, right? Like, as in more than disappointed, yeah. you'd be pissed off if you get get out, if we get ourselves into that position where we beat City and we're eight points clear. Even if that gets cut to two after a few more games, and we still don't win the league, I, I don't know. I'd I'd personally, I'd, I, right now, I'm kind of not massively optimistic about Wednesday anyway. So is whatever happens on Wednesday happens. I can't, I don't personally don't think we'll win, but if we do go and win like Raj, you reckon we will. And then we still don't win the league. I, I don't know. I just feel like that would be, that's such a missed opportunity. I, I, I think I'd agree with you if, if it, but it depends on how that rest of that period pans out. I think that goes to Aaron's point. Like I won't be, I'll be really upset, but not angry at the Arsenal team. If we go on and win four of those last five games, you know, fine. We draw or lose to Newcastle or whatever. Let's say that happens. You know, I'll, 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 it'll be really disappointing, 
but I probably wouldn't feel like we've bottled it. I probably would rue the drop points recently against Southampton and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and West Ham, et cetera. But anyway, um, look, we've been, we've been, you know, chatting for a while. I suppose just, just one concluding point on, on fixtures that, that I wanted to add, because I was having a look at Man City's fixtures and it's, it's quite, it's quite interesting because you've got some of the teams that they're playing, which see even now away at Brentford on the last day of the season before I was like saying, thinking that that's going to be really tough. But the thing is the way it's looking table wise, because Brentford have dropped off. Brentford probably won't have anything to play for. Like there's a chance they won't have even the possibility of finishing in the conference league. So it's that that's a bit annoying, but I feel like there's this little period where city play, um, so look, after us, they've got Fulham. Fulham have nothing to play for. I don't think they can kind of finish top seven, for example. Um, West Ham are safe now, which is annoying, right? Um, so I think at home to West Ham, like, yeah. But then they've got Leeds and Everton back to back. And yeah, Leeds are pathetic. But but that like that at that point, it's like Southampton coming to us. Southampton, you, you know, it's, it's their livelihoods at this point for those players. Any po- a point could mean staying up, right? So playing those games in between these Champions League games, it just uh, maybe. And then Chelsea, they've got afterwards. And I know Chelsea have got nothing to play for, but they've also kind of got a situation where I think some of their players are probably worried about what next season could look like for them. And, you know, given such a big squad, I think there'll be players who might put in a shift to it and think playing well against Man City puts them in the, you know, either, either the shop window or kind of favourably in whoever the next manager for Chelsea's eyes is. And then Brighton, obviously, it's going to be um, you know a, a tough game for Man City. So, yeah, look, man, I think there's 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 going to be lots of very interesting things going on from now until the end of the season. Yeah, um, we, as long as we don't lose, then this we're right in it. I think if we lose, then we're relying on a few favors and us to be perfect, and that's where it gets tricky. Um, so, yeah, I know I said I would lose. I, don't know, I think I said we'd get battered four one. Um, to try and be positive if we play like we did for the first 35 minutes at Anfield if we play like we did for the first 20 minutes at Upton Park I mean, at the London Stadium if we play like we did in the last 15 minutes against Southampton we will do damage against Man City like we saw even the first half against Man City when they came to us um, we will do damage and yeah look we have bit of a liability at the back but we do have the players who can cover for him and if we do have the other 10 of our best 11 and they all step up and compensate and we keep the ball away from where they can affect it then we have a chance they they man city defenders they must be as great as they are Saka and marcelli are two players that you like you don't want to face them as if, if you're a fullback, any fullback in the world, you don't want to be facing an informed Martinelli and a Saka who's just been unreal this season. So that's probably the biggest positive. If we can, like I said before, win the ball and get the ball to them quickly, they can be devastating. Um, yep. And we just got to hope that that's what happens, and we get a bit of luck down the other end. But so Raj, everyone just score needs to have the game of their life, basically. Yeah, um, my score prediction is three-two to Arsenal. Oh, imagine that. Bloody hell, mate. I think I'll cry mm. if we win 3-2, man. I'll cry if we draw. Look, guys, one and a half hours. I think we could talk, we could probably talk for another hour on this. Um, 
So firstly, thank you both. I also, it felt like a five-person podcast today. So I really want to thank Charles and Russ in the comments because they've basically been um, conversing Thanks, throughout this whole pod, with, with which, which has made it really fun for us. So like, really appreciate Charles, Russ. Um, and uh, wow, um, we've been saying at every pod that we do actually that, you know, the next pod could be very interesting. And, but yeah, this truly, truly is the biggest game of the season coming up. It, it really is. It's, it is huge. Um, we've not had a title six pointer like this for, I don't know what, 10 years. I don't know. Like it's, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? So, yeah. um, so yeah, listen, um, everyone who's been listening, thank you for your support. Um, and everyone, uh, Please like, share, subscribe. Really appreciate it. Again, thank you, Charles and Russ, and thanks, Mize. Aaron, and then come on, Arsenal, let's do it at City. Let's go for it. Fingers crossed, eh? See ya. Good night. See you later, guys.